0: Is that all right it's a good way to introduce yourself isn't it but listen we well, were singing about the blood but you know why that still applies today it says what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of jesus what can make us whole again nothing but the blood of jesus and tonight it's good to sing about the blood to preach about the blood the praise about the blood Do you know why because it says we're not redeemed by any corruptible things such as silver and gold but by the precious blood of Jesus. And that blood was shed on Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago for each and every one of us. And it does not only save us from our sin and the penalty of it, but the bondage that it causes upon our lives. So tonight as I start my testimony as way of introduction, it's good to sing about the blood. Because if it says without the shedding of blood on our behalf, there is no remission of sins. So when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ and acknowledge what he's done on that center cross for each and every one of us, and apply that blood to these lives. We stand before God justified. As if we'd never sinned. And tonight each and every one of us. The Bible tells us we're born in sin. And shaped in iniquity from the youngest to the oldest. No matter what the category is. It says we're born in sin. So it's good to sing about the blood. Because it's the only thing can separate us. And deliver us from the power of sin. Amen. And for some of you that don't know me. And just a way of introduction. My name's Hassan. Some people know me as him of the white bit or him of the seven kids, do you know? <laughs> but my name's Hassan and I attend this we local fellowship and it is a privilege to stand again tonight. Honestly, I think I've stood before and testified with some of you as I've actually heard it. But it's good to give thanks for our testimony, for the saving, the keeping, the sealing and the satisfying power of what he does in our life, you know. Of our sales, we can't keep our sales. I would end up back up in the world if I never trusted on the finished work of Calvary. Because we can't save ourselves. The Bible says the things I want to do, I can't. And the things I should do, I don't. Because that's our old nature. But when you trust and you rely and you fix your eyes upon that cross of Calvary, he makes all things possible. I want to read one first before I start my testimony. And it's found in Psalm 1, which is very significant psalm to me. Remember, when I was just saved in the youth club that I used to attend, this psalm was preached. But as I've walked with the Lord over all the years, I've actually done a wee study on it upstairs with some of the younger ones. And one one chapter speaks of two paths, two ways, two peoples, and leads to two places. But thank God one of those places is heaven, which the Lord wants us all to be part of. And the other place is called hell, which the Lord's not willing that any should go there. He's not willing that any should perish, but shall come on to repentance. And that means just basically turning from your sin on from yourself and trusting in Calvary and the finished work. And it's a beautiful thing for the Lord to reveal himself to you. So I want to read from Psalm 1. And it starts off by saying, Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favoured by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and example, nor stand In the paths of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of the scoffers, ridiculers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, his precepts, and his teachings does he meditate day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatsoever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. But then there's a contrast in the next three verses. It says, The wicked, those who live in disobedience to God's law, and are not so, but they are like the chaff, worthless and without substance, just blown about with every wind. Therefore the wicked will not stand or go unpunished in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows and fully approves the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish, the last word of the last verse says perish, and the first third, first word of the first line says blessed. Shows you there's two ways, two paths, two destinations, two types of people. So there's a choice to be made in this by reading this portion of God's scripture. It talks about choose. Start the first one says about blessed, prosperous, not in the material things, but blessed knowing that our sins yet were many. Are washed away. No Knowing there was a time in these lives that we were without God and without peace, but today we've been reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the other one says the wicked are not so. They'll not go unpunished because they've neglected that greater salvation which was paid for each and every one of us. So there will be a judgment. So just a Psalm one, it's a beautiful portion of scripture. There's a lot of depth in it. If you ever get a chance to look it up and even just do like a wee depth, Look tell it Well as I said, my name's Hassan, basically I grew up in Glen the top of the shank of Road, born in the loving home. My mummy and my daddy had a brother Yassin, sister Aisha, some of you as well know them. Grew up just on the normal things, went to Sunday school, went to the week Bible classes, went to the week Balikam Martin Baptist, went to Bali Elam, basically anywhere there was at an age of my life I went to all them. But thank God, that seed would have heard from a young age. Those Sunday school teachers, no matter how much I tortured them, they still planted that seed. And it's an incorruptible seed. And it resonated in years later on. But thank God for Sunday school teachers. So I grew up in Kern. And as you know, do you know what I mean? And Glencairn, on the top of the Shankle, growing up with the name Hassan, or even the distinct the markings that I have, do you know what I mean? It wasn't really easy to fit in, especially going to the school, boys, model, over nearly a thousand pupils. We can be mean at times by the things we say. So, went through primary school. Everything was dead on. Left primary school. Went into secondary school in the boys' model. Played a bit of football. Probably wouldn't think it. Tried a bit of rugby. Do you know what I mean? Just thought it was more suitable for that. Just tried to do all the things that you could. No. So and then just went on in years and in a school when you start first year and people from one primary school and different different areas, different primary schools of the area, all came together. Everybody tried to be the big boy, as it were, you know, so there was headmasters, visits, there was letters they sent home, there was fights every now and again. but that was just part of secondary school. Honestly, it just, it just came natural, i tell you. I remember even some of you here tonight were friends, we are Yasin and even my brother. Looking back now, I don't really know what he meant by that, but starting first year, he actually gave me a, he gave me a beating. But I actually said it was for your own good. He says, "No, no other person is going to hit you as hard as a fourth year or fifth year does. So anybody in first year, it'll not be—it'll be okay to deal with. So looking back, so <laughs> but it was all good. <laughs> so second year, third year, got in full with things as I said outside of curricular activities. Went to skiing trips and all over the school. Started to settle down in third year." And basically just flying through those couple of early years, because everything was just normal childhood, growing up, you get older, you start a bigger school, you make more friends, and so forth and so forth. But it's where those lead. It's about where those company takes you to. It's about where those people you actually associate with, where it leads to. In the Bible, Jonah and I mean just off, around and says there's pleasures and sin, but it's only for a season. But at that time when you're actually experiencing it, or indulging it, or actually trying to, as it were, investigate what it is it's all about, Sometimes people stay there longer than what they're meant to intend because the bondage they actually find themselves into. So third year and fourth year growing up, thank God it didn't, but a lot of my friends did. And even as the last time I stood here, I was actually able to say seven or eight of them, the ones that I went to school with, are no longer living. Now I'm only 35, coming 36. And when you hear about people that age, their lives, it's tragic, but thank God for the mercy and the grace of God on this life. Fourth fear, similar the same though. And then, as I said, I had one brother and one sister, and then all of a sudden, I had two brothers. My, brother, my father had his child from before, and he turned up, and we welcomed and received him as our own. So I actually went from having one brother to two big brothers. And then it built a relationship. Years went on. The, French, the relationship developed. and You just always thought he was part of your life. And then after four or five years being part of your family, tragic, hits our home. Back and forward to the hospital, complaining of sore heads, doctors putting it down to stress-related, back and forward, nothing. There was no, there was no depth there, investigation, back and forward. Next minute, we end up in the neurology in the Royal Hospital. The third line says to our family, is clots. And it was actually multiple and numerous clots, which was cancerous. And actually he caused his life to be taken at 26 years of age. So in fourth and fifth year, this really made me bitter. And then started hearing things. We had a shop in Lisburn, a kebab shop. And the fellas that used to work for my brother and my father and all, who, who basically took charge whenever they weren't there, tried to do him wrongly. So then I heard of all this after. Now, he wasn't the reason why my brother died. But he was part of the things that I tried to take my anger out on. So I was trying to do things, and what you do, you try to take your anger out in some form or measure. You went to his door, if he was, and then you racked his house, you've done things like that. And it actually got to a point I still didn't find any satisfaction in what I was doing. And even though he wasn't a person, but I knew he wronged him. And no, while he's no longer alive, I thought it was my responsibility to try and get a wee bit of revenge or any way, form or measure, so I got better at the age of what age are you when you're four, uh, four, fifth year, year? 14, 15, whatever, 16? And the people that I grew up with, do you know what I mean? And there was one in particular, he always turned around and said, there's things you can do, there's ways you can go, there's avenues you can explore. And would I actually resolve this, if it's what you're trying to think that's going to make you feel better. And I actually contemplated it a wee bit To my shame. Or went to his house and he had a shop, racked the shop as I said, me and a few people went to his house done what he was and then went through his one front door, flooded the house, done everything I could his TV, his possessions, his electrical stuff and walked out the back and still didn't feel anything I said there must be more to do to make me feel better for what I've experienced but no matter what I'd done then, in anger and in rage you don't really look beyond that, all you can see is that incident so I contemplated, organised a couple of things, and I actually left school. And it was still going on in my head. I actually, went on to university. You wouldn't thinking after all that I said had happened. I actually, fourth and fifth year, went on to stay for Lower Stick, and went on to stay on university. But in those years, with all this going on in my head, and the anger and the bitterness, and sending to my mummy, I said, Mummy, would have been that better me never knowing him. His name was Tassin. I said, Wouldn't that be better, me never knowing him, just for him to come into our life for such a short time and to go again? That hurt me, it really did. And mummy turned around and said, Son, you don't understand, but I pray one day you will. And I said, But what is it to understand? There was me, Yassin, and uh, Aisha, and every foot, and then all of a sudden there's this other fella. It turns up, we receive him as a brother, like he was always there, and then he's gone again. I said, Wouldn't that be better, me never knowing him, rather than cause this hurt? And I'm only speaking for myself. I know the other, my sister and my brother, and no, all they felt the same way in the time of bereavement. But maybe they didn't contemplate the things that I was doing or considering. I remember mommy turned around and says, Hassan, you don't understand. Now he came from a Muslim background. He had no upbringing with the, the heritage which we have and we're blessed to have on the street corners. There's churches, there's Sunday schools, there's young kids meetings, there's everything, CF. He had none of it. But in the Royal Hospital, my mummy says he said he was able to think. He was able to ex- describe it in depth, of a broad road, and a narrow road. But only later on years did I actually know what that actually means. And I'll read it. It's found in Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven, verse thirteen and fourteen says, "Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many." There be, there go, there at, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few. So the first one speaks of many. Second one speaks of few. One speaks of a broad road. One speaks of a narrow road. And my mummy turned around and says, but Hassan, he was able to like, describe it. Now he had no background in the things of God or any biblical teaching or any upbringing. And he says, but mummy, there was a broad road. And everybody that it knew were on that road. And then my wife says, but what road? And he said, but it was a narrow road. And I was on that road. And the Bible speaks that narrow road leads to life. And I believe in the mercy of God in the royal hospital that night, 26 years ago, or 19 years ago, 26 years of age, and give his heart to the Lord. God said, he'll poor spirit upon all flesh. You know, even in people who actually, they were probably grew up in different countries, never heard the gospel, but come into our life for such a short period of time. And when you read about it like Moses, or do you know what I mean? Even like at a young age, his parents only had him for such a long he was actually put in that basket and pushed up the river, but years later on, look what accomplished. You know, we don't understand in the here and now. So Tassin, so that settled me a wee bit, but then I started going to university, driving him down the cold rain. Probably wasn't able to settle into the the student accommodation. i was staying and i traveled up and down to port rouge in cold rain all the time every day if not every other day and the whole way up turned the radio off whatever it was it was on and used to ask these questions and this is truth is this life like is this it like you get older you think you get a wee bit wiser you try to go for a job and at that time i was comfortable. I, had, I was still living at home, I was at university, I worked with my, my, my daddy in Lisburn. he always saw us right, so you really want it for nothing. And I still at that age You turned around and said there was a void, and okay. he says, is this all that life has to offer, do you know? So, went on, just left it, and at the time whenever I started contemplating things in a different, in a more depth, and actually tried to follow some of them through, I started contemplating, I'm going to go to church. Went there a few church barbecues down in Crawfordsburn, some of you may have been attended it. And you actually look and actually think, those people look genuinely happy. They're not going the ways of the world. They're not doing the things of the world. They're not drinking, drinking or taking drugs. I'm not trying to say, there's not pleasure in that. Yes, it's only for a season, but those people look genuinely happy. It was their countenance portrayed it. It was like that there was a difference. I mean, you knew some of them from their previous background. You're actually thinking, I wanted that. He didn't want what they actually drove or where they lived or what they worked as. It's what they had inside. It says, We have this treasure in these earth and vessels that actually may be of God and not of us, you know. So it started making me think at the same time, i was still a wee bit of bitter, I'm still contemplating what my life was all about. And I started asking these questions. And as I said, I'm bit not mad, but even in school, near the last years, it, things they get a wee bit t- uh, tight and a wee bit tense at times and you start trying to th- sort things out yourself so when you left school you thought i'm free of that then you're actually, exp- you're actually introduced to different things and different forms and the different depths so those questions were going round and round and round in this head i couldn't settle thought to myself everything i heard from sunday, everything i heard from childhood mummy tell me the bible story sunday school meetings i attended the youth clubs that i went to everything kept on coming, coming, coming back. But us, being us man, just try to push it off, try to get on my life, but it kept on coming. And at one time, I actually remember driving, after trying to organize stuff and driving to a church meeting, somebody was with her, sat at the back, thought, if anything ever comes off this, I can't be traced. I can't be allocated with that, or I can't be actually part of that. There's about 70 to 80 people, maybe a congregation like this tonight vouch to that, yes, him and the white bat was out the back of the church on a Sunday evening. But that night, the minister got up to speak. That night, that minister got up to speak, and what he spoke what he spoke was the Spirit of God, he actually spoke through him. He actually, he said he had a message prepared, and he closed it, set it down, and he said there's tonight, he says, you're plotting. You're scheming, he says, and you think you're actually not going to be guilty of it. Like, Pilate, I wash my hands, and even though it's still taking place, and you're say saying it, I'm washing my hands. He said, I plead with you by the mercy of God. Don't do it. Now, that's not a normal gospel message for somebody who have been in church. I thought everybody in that church had actually and um, got out, and it was only me and him there. And that was God speaking, I do believe that. And I was thinking, all the questions that I was asking everything that i was contemplating all the things that was going on and on that answered it all and i knew god was interested in this life so i yielded this life to the lord on the 2004 october 2004 and everything that i experienced it was as if the lord gave me grace to, to take it from me to remove it from this life and i didn't have to carry it no more and I, i'll remember Burnley. i remember one time going to the odyssey to do outreach and i'll say this brownie i hope you don't mind me and a couple of other people in Burnley were standing there, and the same fella who I was organizing something to happen to walked right past me outside the Odyssey on a Saturday night, heaven. but it was as if he was only one single doubt and walked right past me and looked at me and everything that was inside this life to try and contain myself, thinking for years, I couldn't see him. Every time I went to his work, he was nowhere. Everything, something happened. He was never there. Like everything kept on coming up. Could never try to locate him to one particular area. And on that night, standing after giving my life to the Lord, felt like it was free and delivered from him. Standing doing outreach in the Odyssey on a Saturday night, hundreds. At that time, the Odyssey was packed. Maybe thousands at one stage. People coming from that exit and that entrance and that exit, and car parks were full. And I was like, I didn't see none of that. He was the one that was singled out and walked right past me. And I knew I wasn't dead in that old flesh. Paul says, I die daily. But it was as if, it was as if do you really believe what you've done? So I acknowledge that I had to put all my trust, all my feelings, all my anger, all my wrongdoings in the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing that he paid for it all. Turn, like It was not a new turnover, a new life. It was a new life. And life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So at night in 2004, I, I knew that I'd met with the Lord and the way he intervened and touched his heart and standing there, and he walked past, and he just looked and walked on. And I thought, right, this is real, this is real. You know, we are Christians are not exempt. When you put your trust, we're not exempt from these things. These things are still real. But it's what way we react and act in it. And the Lord gave me the grace to be able to look at that man and walk past. And from that time, there's been a wee. Uh, there was other times. More recently, four years ago, a Turkish barber passed away over the high town where I used to live. And people thought it was me from Bali Selim, The the Turkish guy called, his name starting with H. His name was Hamza, my name was Hassan. So my phone never stopped. People thought it was me. And I went to see his family, the wee woman, his wife was from here. I went to see her and he was there. And I actually had to greet him and show respect to the family who I was going to attend. And put away everything and I knew him. Do you know what I mean? I had it in my head that he wronged my brother. Well, That was true of money. which, But I had it in him. whatever whenever my brother passed away. He was the reason why, which it wasn't. But at the time I was just looking somebody to take my aggressive, my temper, my attitude like, to blame someone. And he was the person. So I've uh, dwelt on that for too long. But that was the time when the Lord spoke to let me know that he was interested in the questions that I was asking and the thoughts that I was having. And he made himself to really know and then months later on, walked on past me, and I was said to see what way I was going to react. But thank God, and Imam being Christ is a new creation. doesn't mean we're perfect. just means we have to keep trusting the Lord for His grace. And He said His grace is sufficient. doesn't always remove us from the incident, but He gave us His grace to deal with it. And I experienced that so early on. So it was like He was putting iron into this, into this life. Do you know what I mean? It was actually putting, it was actually putting depth to so this relationship that I had with the Lord was becoming real and more in depth, and was getting more intensified. And that's what a life as a believer is. Every day and day, we sing it, it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days goes by. But a life in Christ is new, and is fresh. As much as His mercies are new every morning, our encounters, our experiences, and our reliability upon Him is still the same. So a life after that went on, started a wee fellowship, we wee healing fellowship, met a good few friends, all the friends that I thought I had and I was associating with. Whenever I got saved and I phoned him and says, you used to phone and get a delivery and I remembered. And I recognized the voice, but I couldn't remember because the phone would ring that many times. Who's this? He said, I'm not telling you in case you asked me to go to church. That's the way it was. But these were friends that I grew up with and I thought they were my friends. But at that time, the Lord brought friends across my path and to this day, they're still friends. So thank God he never leaves us void from what we give up. But he will always give us down. And the Bible says press down, shaking, and running over, and things are gonna benefit you more. And I can experience testify that. So went on a fellowship in that we church, started to come to the wee youth club and all, and then that's where I came across good friends. Then met my wife where we were friendly first, and next minute met Paula and the youth and Bali 2004, I got saved. 2005, I got baptized. 2006, it was organized. In a wedding, 2007, it was married. And then 2021 now, I'm not going to jump away on, but eleven, uh, 11 years or so, do you know what I mean? With seven kids, you know, and it's been the, the Lord's been real in certain areas, but I'll go right back again because it just doesn't only finish your testimony doesn't finish. That day and all, you get saved. It's still being panned out. And the last time I testified until this time, my life, my testimony's changed again. So I'll get to that. So, Mary, Paula, early on, we always knew we wanted a family. Back and forward, do you know what I mean? There was complications. And some, the, well, I remember actually one of the doctors says, maybe you're not meant to have children on both part, on both sides. I remember that being said, do you know what I mean? Because Paula's complications and then medical heredity in the background family. And then one of my family and my daddy say, just never had kids. So I thought, right. I remember walking out into Glen Curran, the wee car park in Glen Curran, and says, Lord, that's all I want. That's all I want. It's just a wife and kids. Because before I got saved, I would never have counted. If you would have told me before I was saved, you're going to be standing one day the testify of the goodness of God in your life. You're going to be married with seven kids. I says, that's impossible. I says, firstly, I said I would never have had the respect for another person. And secondly, nobody would have stuck me. Do you know? <laughs> But now, in the line, when you actually look back and they turn around, and says the Lord's ways are perfect. It says the man orders this, the man plants his step, plants his ways, but the Lord directs his steps and it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So the wee first that we used to share on a Friday night, it was always so real and so significant and so depth Till it says seek ye first the kingdom of God. And now these are childhood stories, but it's real. There's always a pattern. So we met in the youth club and it was always around the word, talked over the word. It was about what we were reading, what we were sharing, what a burning all can testify on a Friday night. There was a good youth and the Lord moved. He did and he brought people in. The young ones were being saved. Friendships were being built. Relationships were being restored. The Lord was moving. He was just bringing people in. At the time he was bringing in, you were able to help and encourage and build up. And that's what it was centered around, the things of God. There would have been a Friday night. You would have gathered together, opened in prayer, brought a wee word, a of defotion, closed in and prayer, and it was a fellowship after it. And I used to love it. That time I was working on the Shankar Road, and I remember thinking, I can't get, like, everything seems to be happening on a Friday night, or a Wednesday night, or a Sunday. And I was working in a new business, you wanted to be there, you wanted to show your face, you wanted to try and get it built up. And I was thinking, who's going to really come in looking part-time, two days a week, on a Friday and a Sunday? Or even, if you're pushing it, Wednesday, Friday and a Sunday? And a fella came in from another place in Lisburn Road, which I actually ended up closing, and says, I'm only looking at part-time work, maybe a night during the week and two weekends. I said, you can start straight away. <laughs> so I was able to get off to my Bible study. Make, do you know what I mean? It says, honour the Lord first. Do you know what I mean? Put the Lord first, and everything falls into place. So I was able to get them a Bible study. I was able to get them a youth club on a Friday night. It was not even just a youth club. It was a fellowship. It was critical. And the breaking of bread on a Sunday morning. So all those things were put, in, put right early on. And the pillars, which are the four pillars, the Apostles' Doctrine, the breaking of bread, fellowship and prayer, those things were put right, and we were taught that, and everything seemed to build upon it, build upon it. So then, I'll jump ahead, 2007, me and Paula got married, 2008, 2009, Saskia, our eldest, we were blessed with Saskia, now she's now 11, coming 12, and then Amira, then Sophia, then Talia, Ezra, (laughs) Tabitha and then Beulah. But it's just been a blessing of God. It's just been upon a family so even alone. Not even in material things. I don't. I want to just try and empathise that. Em- em- Emphasise that. Even being told things couldn't happen. And actually starting today, actually with seven kids, in a marriage, in a, having a lovely a, a wife, you know. It is the blessing of God that make a rich and out of no sorrow. And it's not always in material things, just the things you probably would have took for granted. So that was... I got saved. I met my wife. The kids came along. <laughs> but in 2018, just knew after building, so after being part of some for so long, Tandoori Kitchen on the Shankar Road, I just knew him. And part, spirit just thought, "There's something else." Do you ever see when you actually ask yourself, and everything's going well, and everything's taking place, and all the boxes are being ticked, you just say, "Is there something else?" And that desire that the Lord puts within a life. So for sales, we can't even create an anxious thought. Start thinking, there must be more. The Lord, like, start rekindling something in this life. He gave us the opportunity to be able to uh, be part of the youth on a Friday night, but I just knew there was more as well to be part of. And in 2018, after doing the Shankar Road Mission on the Nelson Street Memorial, Hong Kong was in November. Before that, I knew I had to make a decision. And I remember coming in one Sunday morning, sitting in, that said, and we never said to that, that said, just, I think I was only saying it was a field book. Come in, sat down, and the questions all that week were asking. And three members of this fellowship confirmed, unknowingly, what I was actually inquiring of. When David talked about inquiring of the Lord, they answered it. But in myself, I'm thinking, did they mean that? Is that for me? So then I says, Lord, I need you to make this real. Big decision, walking away. Of something you trusted in him for 15 years, a business just to walk away and totally just leave everything. I says, Lord, I need you to com- clarify this and give me a piece about it. And I remember Pastor Tim used to say, if you don't know what to do, don't do nothing. And I did. I did the, word, the word three, with three members of this fellowship were actually able to vouch for that, but not unknownly. I'd never made it known to the congregation. And I remember sitting there and I just set the Bible down. And the first psalm, now I don't go for, okay, but. I literally, set it down. It was like it was quick, and tell me their name. First Samuel chapter twelve, verse twenty-two, and I will read it out. Till I will read it out. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should you go after feigned things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are fain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. That was in October 2018. That was nearly three years ago. And I literally, like my whole life, changed dramatically for the best. Maybe not in the natural, but what the Lord's done in those three years, we sing the song this morning, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Rapha. We know the characteristics of what the Lord has actually known us in the word of God, but see when you actually experience it, see when it actually becomes real. And I remember, I wanna share this cause it actually was so profound and so real to this. I remember making the decision, going away to Hong Kong, had everything sorted out, Shankarot mission was over, had Christmas all sorted, thinking in the natural, this is gonna come up, that's gonna come up, and out of the blue, like everything was sorted. Remember leaving the house on a Tuesday and something happened on the Monday night. I says, Where did that come from? Like unexpectedly, something appears through the post. He's thinking, right. And then me always being in a position to try to sort it and rectify, it and just that was it. I says, Lord, I need you this. I need this to be real. Not in material like let me emphasize again, it's not about oh, he always meets it in that way. I just says, Lord, that's a big decision. I want you to be real. I want you to make yourself known. You're not away up there and we're down here and there's a big gap in between. I says, Lord, you say you're very you're touched by the feelings. It means anything that affects us, our infirmities, anything that troubles us, he's touched bad. And I says, Lord, I need you this to be real. I remember leaving for the coffee morning on Thursday morning here at half ten. Went into the letterbox and there was a first. Nobody else outside of my family knew, and I was the first, and I was the first in Hebrews. and then say was it was the token as a we tokenized that. Like who put that there? Naturally, just start asking your questions, Joe. So life doesn't I want to let you, I want to just to make it real. These last couple of years, I've probably experienced depths with the Lord, which i probably would never experienced if I was in that kind of place because you're independent, you're able to sort things out. And in, in those three years, the Lord's opened doors that never thought were ever possible. And he's actually showed me things, revealed things, Tell me so then. We actually can say, I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed on to him. He is faithful. So not only did he save me, not only did he satisfy me, not only did he keep me, not only did he provide for me, but see after everything in this life has to unfold, he's prepared a place for me. And life does not like people I remember people used to think. I used to think it maybe the ones that I knew at that thing Christians that I said there was no life. But the Bible makes it so clear he who has the Son has life. And it's life abundant. It's a life worth living. It's a life with a purpose. It's a life with a passion. It's a life about a person, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And only he can put those desires there. So I do thank the Lord tonight i to me able to stand and testify to even the ones that I actually grew up with and some of you that actually knew me from before as well. It's good to give thanks for the goodness of God and even for the mercy of the Lord. Is new every. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning and we can't say great is his faithfulness tonight. So I want to leave one thing with you. And I came across it. Some people, when you invite them to church, every excuse under the sun comes up. But the Bible says it's appointed on the man once that die. And I want to leave this with you. Then after this, at judgment. You can avoid hearing the word of God. You can avoid coming to the house of God. You can refuse to listen to the people of God, which when they bring the message. But there's one thing, and make no mistakes about it but you have to stand before God because the Bible says it's appointed. We all have an appointment that we're all going to keep. But listen, and I don't even think do, the Lord has a plan and a purpose and a f- and he's paid the price for each and every one of them. See if I was able to go back again. I'm not ungrateful for what the Lord has blessed me with, but see when you were young and Pastor Tim mentioned a few weeks ago about having that seal and having that passion and you don't have seven kids, give yourselves to the things of God. Get fully behind the work of God and let. ask the Lord to give you the desire for the people who don't know God. And it's a beautiful thing. After salvation, the greatest thing to ever know is that your sins yet were many are washed away. But after that, the greatest thing is seeing someone who you know, who were born bound and translated from one kingdom, which is the kingdom of this world, kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of his dear son. There's nothing greater to see men and women born, born of the spirit of God. It's a beautiful thing, and their names written down in heaven. It says, "All heaven and every fellowship which is attending rejoices, no one of the sinner has been delivered from one kingdom into the kingdom of his dear son." So I do want to leave that with you. The Lord has been good; He has been faithful. And it would actually be wrong to say, "Have I done everything right?" No. But does He love me any the less? No. I'm thinking, if you poke me tonight and pierce me, I'd be like a water and would be holes everywhere. But the Lord's mercies are new every morning, and He is faithful. Just want to leave that with you.